This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. Happy Tuesday. This is your sometimes co-host for Meanwhile in Memphis, Anna Thompson, and I am filling in for Christy and for Anna Mullins-Ellis, who is taking some much-needed PTO. And guess who I have with me today? Drum roll, please. Hey, everybody. It's Anna Warman. How are you? I hope that everybody is having a fabulous Tuesday because, again, another drum roll. It is... International Women's Day! Woo! This is when we would do the applause button if we had one, which again, we are raising funds for. So please go to newmemphis.org slash donate if you would like to make sure that we can get an applause button. Um, In today's episode, we are talking to somebody really, really cool. And I know we always say that we love every episode, and we do. We genuinely do love every guest that comes on Meanwhile in Memphis. But today is someone very unique. It is... Um, a gentleman, and so you might wonder why we chose to have a gentleman uh, as a guest for International Women's Day, and it is because, actually, the work that this guest is doing uh, fits in very nicely with the International Women's Day theme, which happens to be Break the Bias, Mm -hmm. so shattering stereotypes and uh, pursuing equity and making sure that discrimination and that uh, is X'd out and that difference is are valued and celebrated. So it really couldn't be a better person to have on today. And so, Anna, would you like to introduce our special mysterious guest? Shane Young will be joining us today from Memphis Inner City Rugby. He is an incredible uh, individual. He's an Embark alum, as you'll find out later. Um, and, you know, just a little a little uh, sneak behind the curtain here. You'll find out what each of these things has uh, to do with the other. So Tribeca Film Festival, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Nike, the Oscars, International Women's Day. All of those things are wrapped up in this episode, and all of those things have to do um, with Shane and his uh, incredible organization that he created with co-founder Devin, and we're excited to chat with him today about it. Absolutely. So um, in today's episode, it's about the transformative power of athletics and how one organization is harnessing that power to change the trajectory of Memphis students. Um, From the jump, in case anyone out there has never heard of rugby, The best way I can describe it is uh, football and soccer put together, but with no pads. So, um, yeah, it's it's as intense as it seems, um, but also very transformative. Uh, So now that you've gotten the visual of what rugby is, you might naturally think that it's more associated with uh, prep schools or elite colleges. But as a lifelong rugby player himself, Shane Young knew that he wanted to coach rugby. And when he came to Memphis for, uh, through Teach for America, he decided that it would be a good idea to just kind of pick up a ball and, and coach some kids. And that the rest is history. Really and truly. I mean, it turned into a decade of transformation, truly. And that's, um, it's not just for the gentlemen in our great city. It is for the ladies too, which is also apropos considering International Women's Day. So instead of listening to us try to explain rugby further and wax poetic about transformation, we are going to go ahead and jump right into our interview today so that you can hear straight from the expert himself. And again, if you have just changed the dial, you are joining us listening to Meanwhile in Memphis, on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. 
So here we go, our interview with Shane Young. Welcome, Shane. I'm so glad to have you here today on March 8th, International Women's Day. We could have done a better job picking a woman, so apologies for that. But yay, <laughs> happy International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so full disclosure, I was not super familiar with your story when it was suggested that you become a guest by my work wife, Erin Wendell. Um, but after doing some research, I'm very, very impressed. Thank you. And I guess we'll have a lot to talk about. Yes. So some quick statistics for listeners who might have been in the same boat that I was. Um, at age 22, in 2012, correct, you right. co-founded Memphis Inner City Rugby, also known as MICR, with Devin O'Brien. Correct. At 22, casual again. <laughs> By age 27, ESPN had aired an award-winning documentary based on your passion project. <laughs> and in 2017, Giovanni Merritt made history as the first African-American female rugby player in Memphis to earn a college scholarship. Oh. And how did she find rugby? You guessed it. Memphis Center City Rugby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you for filling that in. Um, and then in 2020 alone, MICR had $500,000 in scholarships earned. Incredible. 48 students accessed college through rugby. 28 alumni coaches were employed. Six All-Americans. And one pro league contract, a.k.a. Major, major League. The Majors. That's crazy. Like that's some impact, man. That's uh, that's some big big numbers there for something that was a passion project. Yeah, I mean, we we never uh, intended to you know start a real charity or a nonprofit. We were just uh, Teach for America core members, you know, in our first year as Memphis transplants. And we, myself and my co-founder Devin O'Brien, you know, played rugby growing up. He yeah. played in college. I played as a kid, and he was teaching high school at Kingsbury. So that's we said let's let's just start a boys team there and like coach rugby. We think we think kids would love it and be good at it. And um, sure enough they were. And you know, blink your eyes and we're almost 10 years old now, you know, in, in August we'll turn 10 years old as an organization and all the numbers you've just uh, sort of rattled off. It's it just it's hard to, for us to even fathom cuz we we're still in in the trenches and so deeply involved with the work like we still know all the kids we still know all the and you still feel like schools. you're growing right like you still feel like you're yeah we're still growing and I'm still coaching and like so we're still like as grassroots as it gets it. um but we've been lucky to have you know all of this international recognition and and students just do an incredible job with the sport and um take a chance on us you know believe in the sport mm -hmm. and and you know find some upward mobility through it so love it love it um so let's go back to the beginning so you are not. Take it back. I know. Take it back. Ten years. Um, we are. You. You were not originally from Memphis. No. So where are you originally from, and how did you come to Memphis? Tell us a little bit. About uh, I was Shane Young. born and raised in New Jersey, uh, where I lived until I was about sixteen, and then uh, finished high school in Florida, where my whole immediate family moved. Did all of college in Florida at Florida Gulf Coast University. It's in uh, Southwest Coast, Fort Myers, Florida. And then uh, I was going to join the military. Didn't know what I wanted to do really after college, um, and then got. You know, turned on to Teach for America, kind of just threw in an application and got accepted and thought that would be a really cool way to serve. Um, and it's a two-year commitment, and they kind of send you somewhat randomly to a city. So the funny story for me is that, um, you know, I was really kind of careless about my application and preferences <laughs> and selections because I didn't think I was going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> and I was just selecting places. You, you rank preferences. Yes, okay. Um, uh, five places you would like to go and, like, two places you won't go. 
<laughs> and as a kid in, in Florida, I wanted to like go to mountains. I wanted some to sure. live somewhere with mountains. That's just like what I love. And Florida's so flat. So I'm like, let me go somewhere. I'm like Denver, picking San Francisco. I also put like new, the Newark region in Jersey. So maybe I can go home to Jersey. Um, and then I put Memphis because I was like, Tennessee, yeah, mountains. Of course, like, there's mountains in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, um, which I found out. Like, I feel so so silly for doing that now, but I did find out. Like, a lot of people have never been to Memphis. Like, I, if I don't say Memphis, and I just say I, I live in Tennessee to like people that back, back in Florida or Jersey. Be, oh, it's so beautiful, and they're thinking of, they're thinking of Knoxville. You know, they're yeah, thinking of like East Tennessee. The, they're yeah. thinking of East Tennessee. <laughs> for some reason, everyone has that kind of like assumption, well, I guess. Sure. Like, but no, it's the longest state ever, just like Florida, except horizontal, <laughs> not vertical. Yes, pretty um, much. And so selected Memphis blindly, thinking there were mountains here, um, but so, so lucky and so happy that um, f- we fell backwards into Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's so poetic, right? Like, it's such an interesting and fun, fun way to get to the city. And, and I'm sure that you were not excited um, when you walked in and you saw no, no mountains. mountains. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was, there was river um, and flat lands. We do have hills. Yes. Um, but I mean, you know, I, what an amazing uh, place to start this journey, um, and I'm not sure that there would be a better place for it. So no. it seems like uh, it seems like it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. For the better. Could, couldn't a imagine if any, Yeah, could not imagine any any being anywhere else. And uh, no, y'all y- know better than anyone the way Memphis embraces you know people and outsiders it does. and and uh, it does just has such a special um, feel and culture, and it's just a great place to be sent to. So let's so. You know, you said that uh, back in the day you played rugby as a child. It was something that you loved. Um, and with your co-founder, Devin, you know, y'all decided to, to go on this journey of, of establishing um, MSDR. But what, you know, aside from your love of the sport, was there anything else that really, uh, you know, prompted you to start this program? Or was it just something that you wanted to do and, and have a little bit of fun with and, and kind of, you know, combine your love of of uh, the sport with with what you were doing um honestly like a, a little bit like yeah we love the sport we wanted to see kids play it um and kind of keep our passion for it alive honestly when we first started talking Devin and I about like doing something it was very much like do you do should we go play like because there's a men's team you yeah. Know? yeah 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 totally so we were like you want to toss the ball around and go play and then it kind of just quickly rolled into you know well, Kingsbury like there's a lot of like a lot of good we were just talking about boys at the time international women's day like we had no scope for, <laughs> for doing, how big doing women's grew, rugby yeah. we never thought that would happen we were just like let's do a boys team because you're a teacher here at kingsbury and yeah you know we you can, have an end yeah we could do something for the boys here and, and we were just like looking around there's like so many like big kids and athletic kids and we're like wow like you know they would have kicked our butt sure. you know if we were sure. playing playing rugby against them in high school or college and so we thought man like they might be awesome and and we looked around, and there was some other like youth rugby teams in the area, but mostly like in the suburbs of the private schools. Like Christian Brothers had a team, and like sure. Germantown, Houston, um, had a team. And we just kind of got fired up about the opportunity to go like level the playing field, yes. and, and you know, love it. teach for America teachers like Devin and I are only allowed to teach in schools where there's like real deficits and yeah. and you know lower resources. And so, although youth rugby teams at the time back then were not that you mm-hmm. know and we just thought wow like our kids deserve a chance to like step on the same field and you know uh we thought they could be really good at it and, and have fun with it so um i read an article that you said that rugby is one of the lowest cost sports that you can play because all you need is a patch of grass and a ball um so why do you think 
stereotypically it used to be relegated to like one corner that only seems like reserved for elite. Well, that's a great point, and that's I, I kind of left that out too. Uh, that was another reason we said like it's, this won't cost us much, you know. So like we'll like we'll <laughs> we be able we'll be able to start something. Like it won't just be something we have to we think about, dream about, or like you know, we we it, it was attainable, you know, at least from a yeah. financial perspective. Um, but I don't know, you know, the history of rugby is interesting. It's actually the the godfather of American football, right? So um, rugby started in the town of Rugby, England, mm. back in 1820 something when oh. uh, they were playing a soccer game. And William Webb Ellis picked up the soccer ball with his hands and started running with it. And somebody kind of tackled him and brought him down. And it kind of got carried away into this, like, melee physical, you know, version of soccer that people were all of a sudden tackling each other. And so today the Rugby World Cup trophy is named the William Webb Ellis Cup, you know, named after the guy who picked up the ball in in the town of Rugby, England. And uh, not to get into a whole history lesson here, but (laughs) no, it's interesting when uh, we, you know, came to the United States to, you know, start a new country. uh, They were trying to obviously separate from the monarchy and make new laws and be different and feel different and separate. And one of those things was like changing the sport. And so they had rugby in it back in England, but in the States they wanted to change it. So they slowed it down a little bit. They added some pads to it. Interesting. Changed a couple of the rules. Over time the ball changed and you know, now you have American football. And so um, somehow rugby got left behind into yeah. like Ivy League schools and it was like a very much like a white collegiate sport in like the late eighteen hundreds and then nineteen hundreds and it kind of transformed into you know, a much more popular sport in America, although it's still very much irrelevant in terms of like the big picture, like sports market in our country. Um, But it never quite got into schools where basketball is popular, where football is popular, where track is popular in schools that we serve in Memphis. Um, So take take it all to 2012 when we got here and we thought, you know, we have an opportunity to shake it up a little bit. No, I love it. I I, I think it's great. And um, you know, reading the Forbes magazine article from a few years back, um, it mentioned the story of Jakari mm-hmm. um, and who, you know, it, for those of you that are listening, I, I hope that um, you research this article and read it. Um, but Jakari was a talented athlete um, and he was able to attend TSU because of the resources that were made available to him. Right. Like, let's let's take it back a little bit. Um, he was introduced to the sport by you all. Um, it was attainable to him because, um, again, it, it's a low cost of entry. He had natural talent. He learned all of the amazing things that he could. And we can dive a little bit deeper into actually what, you know, rugby teaches uh, individuals. But, um, you know, he got the opportunity to go to college and he went to college. Um, but he ran into some trouble with resources. Can you kind of tell us about that story and, and kind of talk about that juxtaposition right of of you bringing a sport because of these reasons and then the matriculation into college kind of being another hurdle being another Uh, hurdle yeah yeah I mean um so at at MICR you know the work we do is all based in like real relationships like you know we we know that like the sport of rugby is cool but it's not good enough for the kids in Memphis who like half their battle is just showing up and overcoming all these obstacles that like, we don't assume that like rugby is this thing that like is going to save anybody's life or like keep anybody interested or do anything for it. Like it's going to happen through real relationships with like competent mentors who can surround children with resources that they need. 
And back when Jakari took a chance on rugby and believed in this team and became the leader of this team, like we didn't have resources back then to really give Jakari except for our time and like our rides home and like a pair of cleats we borrowed from, you know, one of those one of those teams in the suburbs that I mentioned. Yeah. Kind of they were supporting us too. They donated, you know, cleats to us and Jakari was um yeah, so talented, such a bright spirit, smart kid, like so easy to get along with. Like as adults, like we were adults, we were like 22, but we always thought like, man, Jakari was like five years older, we would hang out with him. Like <laughs> yeah. he's so cool and he is so cool. Um, but he was uh, so um, unfortunate with, uh, you know, some the hand he was dealt as a kid and, um, you know, sleeping on couches, you know, question mark behind every square meal. Um, academic deficits beyond his control, uh, a school that was just kind of too busy and fast to really catch him in a support net. And so we tried to play that role, even though we didn't have a lot of resources back then and um, always, always trying to give Jakari an extra opportunity. And we thought we were doing the right thing, you know, by helping him fill out a college application to, I remember meeting him at McDonald's uh, one, one Saturday when uh, his coach, you know, Devin, my co-founder was out of town and um, they had a closer relationship, but Jakari and I met at a McDonald's to like fill out a TSU application. And, you know, we thought we were doing such good work and we just were so blind to some of the things that he would face at TSU right. as a first generation college student with no safety net, no backing, not a super solid financial aid situation. Yeah. And he was one of the first students because unfortunately there have been some cases where a student goes to a school. It's all it's all the right intention and we're all trying to get a degree and one speed bump you know one gap whether it's a 50 dollars parking ticket or um, an access code for a math class i thought i just needed the book now i need an access code i've got to log in to take the you know all these things that first generation college students without um, a lot of support or knowledge or experience or finances to like actually traverse through um and and you know push through to get a degree there's so much in the way of that and so yeah i think it was the first semester jakari ended up coming home and um, we were finding other ways to support him back home, and uh, we're really excited because uh, in October, when we celebrate our 10th year anniversary, Jakari, who we consider a co-founder of MICR, will come back and uh, celebrate with us. So. Oh, I just wow. got chills. That is amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, you know, so so that kind of started, um, opened your eyes more to the opportunity and need, right, for those wraparound services. Can you right. kind of talk about... Um, where you are today with that and where you've how you've transitioned and kind of grown in that area right so i didn't take many of those hard lessons like jakari's for us to realize like wow like if kids are going to be investing all their time you know rugby for us is year round we do seven on seven rugby in the fall 15 on 15 rugby in the spring which is right now oh wow and then full summer programming so we're asking kids and inviting kids to invest in us as deeply as we're investing in them like show up all year round Wow. Like really believe in your coaches, like try to make the all-star team, like get on a bus, travel, like they're, they're really invested. And that's how these deep relationships form. And that's why kids end up like leaning kind of hard into MICR for guidance and for support and for relationships and, you know, for trauma mitigating activities. Because they're with and you all the time. <laughs> all the time. And so that's why the program had to become more dynamic. And so the first full-time employee we ever hired, which didn't happen until 2018. So we went from 2012, all six, six and a half years wow. to 2018 with not a single paid employee. It was just us and other teachers and people doing everything they time. could to, to what I call do the impossible sometimes because yeah. it is a grind. It is all year. It was all teachers already exhausted from their jobs. And now, yeah. you know, we got to go um, make, make, make magic happen through rugby. And um, 
So in 2018, we hired Andrea Wensitz, who was also a 2012 Teach for America Corps member who got her master's degree and then went out to Cal Berkeley, where she worked with the Division One football team as like wow. an academic mentor director. And wow. she worked with a lot of students from similar, you know, urban populations, athletes who had academic deficits who needed to reach the Cal Berkeley academic standard to actually be on the football team. So doing really, really hard work and yeah. learning about this this challenge of retaining and persisting persisting through college as a first-generation college student and athlete with academic deficits. So then when our job, uh, when, when she took our job and moved back to Memphis in 2018, she was a program director, so helping us just do our work on the ground. But right. she started really fast. She's, she's brilliant. I think she's one of the most talented uh, workers in the city, any industry. And um, so she's gotten like three promotions in three years. She was program manager. Then she invented and conceived and executed our alumni support programming, which is now what I think a world-class program. Wow. I mean, you talk about alumni support, like what nonprofits, what charities are uh, doing wraparound holistic support services to kids once they finish the program. They, they're, they're 18, it's over for most, for most programs, sure, yeah. most schools. For us, it's just getting started until they're 24, they can get continued transportation assistance, college counseling, academic uh, mentor support, which they get paid to attend and do, mental health counseling, special scholarships. Um, if wow. they're playing rugby at the next level, we're supporting them doing that. You know, So there's really not a place that one of our alumni can't look to and say like, MIC, like we'll help them with anything, literally anything. Incredible. And we do it with intention and design and strategy, thanks to Andrea's leadership and thoughtfulness. And now just two months ago, she stepped up into our director of operations role and backfilled her, her leadership. Then we hired Morgan Corlew, who's now our alumni support uh, coordinator. And so she's taking on all those relationships and cases and, and, um, and work in the alumni world. So now, unlike Jakari back then, who was just kind of getting the guidance and support and mentorship of Devin and I with no resources, now kids walk confidently across that stage at graduation knowing that if they're you know, going to stay connected with MICR, that's going to lead to real opportunity and, and support. So. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and, and like we mentioned earlier, right, it's um, International Women's Day, and you've got two women in key roles at your organization um, doing amazing things, right? Uh, talk to me a little bit, because, you know, when you when you think about, when, when most people think about rugby, they think about it as, you know, a gas sport, a dude sport. Yeah. Uh, how did you how did you start kind of transitioning and spreading your wings and, and welcoming girls into the world of, of rugby? Oh man, it's a little embarrassing actually, um, <laughs> because because um, we used to have like taglines and slogans as we were like, you know, we didn't know sure, how to build yeah. a nonprofit. We we're just teachers, too busy to really think strategically about branding or marketing or mission alignment, you know, and stuff. So. <laughs> At one point, we had like a slogan that said, uh, fostering academic excellence, the power of rugby, which suggests that we're like this super academic oriented organization, which we are, but like not not that much, you know? <laughs> so we like had to remove that tagline. We had another tagline that was like, uh, this is this one's really embarrassing. Fostering the traits of a gentleman through the power of rugby. That was before we had a single girls team in the organization. So we've really like grown a lot in how we view this and how we yeah. execute it. Uh, but it was 2014, 2015, when we had like three three programs launched. Now it was like Kingsbury, it was PCA, Power Center Academy. It was Freedom Prep Charter School that came on, and we had a team there. Soulsville was getting started in the 38126. 
and girls at these schools just started coming up to the coaches and being like, Interesting. you know, my friend is playing. That looks so fun. Like my boyfriend plays like I could do that. Like it was girls, uh, no joke, like advocating for themselves and like taking they wouldn't take no for an answer. Cause oh, I again, love it. again, back then, even though it had been three years, two, two and a half, three years, we still had no, no money, no resources. Yeah, still doing, this was still your side hustle. Yeah, we were still doing <laughs> crowd. There was no, no full time employees. We're still crowdfunding every year to get cleats and uniforms. We had no resources. Like, but the girls w- wouldn't take no for an answer. They knew they could do it. Like, and they wanted to do it. And it was so close to the to them. You know, with their school, their small schools. You know, yeah. a lot of charter schools were involved back then. And so, um, yeah, self advocacy. Sometimes they would just show up at practice and. Get in um, there, and sure enough, we we you know we we listened and did the sign up table and did the interest meeting and the girls added an element to our organization that uh, changed you know changed the game a current slogan that we have changing the game <laughs> um, so that 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 rings true still but the girls um, are incredible the way they've uh, adopted the sport made it their own and and really changed the culture of women's rugby in the South I think especially for youth and just made wow. history in so many different ways they're incredible. Wow. I love it. Okay. Well, on that note, we are going to take a quick break. Get the 411 on the 901 at Memphis 101 on March 10th from 530 to 730 at the Memphis Museum of Science and History, formerly known as the Pink Palace. This event is brought to you by New Memphis and sponsored by Regional One Health. It's a high-energy course offering up an up-close personal view of Memphis, its people, and the historical impact the city has had. Come dive in with us as we explore Memphis's history, because to understand where we're going, we first have to know where we've been. Learn more about Memphis 101 and register for free at newmemphis.org events. If you just changed the dial, you are now joining us. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio, 91.7 FM. And welcome back. We are talking to Shane Young of Memphis Inner City Rugby. Before the break, uh, we were talking about how you branched out and how it was now women who are also a part of Memphis Inner City Rugby. So the time has come to spill the beans on the documentaries. Okay. Okay. So one of the documentaries that I like moved me to like tears. Granted, I was like in an emotional state when I watched it, but like the Nike, the Nike documentary. That's amazing. About the Freedom Prep ladies. Yeah. So talk to me about how that got made. How did, I mean, did Nike call you up and they were like, hey, we see what you're doing. We like it. We want to make a commercial. Like, how does that even happen? Well, so, yeah. So Nike's so huge, obviously, right? Um, they contracted out these really, really talented uh, filmmakers um, and designers from the new company, which is a, a free plug because Matt Luckhurst, their uh, CEO and founder, is now on our board of directors, helping us with some amazing projects oh, wow. right now. Hey, okay. So, big shout out to him and the director of the film, El Ginter, um, who does a lot of incredible uh, film directing and women's sports and, and great stories. Uh, so, anyway. Just a shameless plug there for two two great <laughs> great friends of the organization, but yeah, through uh, the new company Nike reached out because they had seen our girls on like an Instagram post. So Memphis Inner City Rugby's Instagram is always active, sharing the awesome things our kids are doing. And there was one post where our girls were just doing a little like pregame warm up chant, you know, yeah. which they're awesome. Like they yes. just are getting pumped up. They're leaning back and forth, and their coaches in the middle kind of, you know, leading the chant. And their their coach happens to be at the time nineteen year old. MICR alumni Faith Walker um, you know when she graduated high school we were at this inflection point for the program which at that, at that point won three state championships there were girls getting like college, uh, college scholarship offers for rugby 
And we also had this transition with their coach leaving because it was it was a teacher, you know, and so we needed a coach and we had no, again, uh, organizational hierarchy or people <laughs> yeah. or staff. So it was like, wow, like, what are we going to do? And um, we knew Faith was going to go to college locally and we knew she had like this leadership ability. She was one of the captains for the team. She had played the sport since her freshman year and kind of grown through MICR. Um, and we kind of had this crazy idea to have her be the head coach. And so she was doing that for a, a semester during her freshman year of college. And it was really, really hard to execute. Like Faith, if you're listening, like I love you, but wow, that was hard like to do. Uh, and she, <laughs> she knows that and she's come an incredible, incredibly long way. Now she's a junior in college. She's still the head coach of the team today. Whoa, girl and power. she's just incredible in the work that she does and how far she's come, how much she's grown. But wow, as a freshman in college and without like a lot of experience, it was really, really tough to make sure that team got what they deserved mm -hmm. under the leadership of a 19 year old uh, head coach, even though yeah. Faith was so awesome. But the new company through Nike saw that video and they reached out. They were like, uh, we're doing a series of films called Dream Crazier. Um, which zooms in on like women's empowerment stories through sports. So I think the next film they made was uh, like a plus size dance team at some HBCU in Alabama, right? So like okay. really cool, like grassroots really stories. Neat. Another one was like a high school female boxer, Whoa. you know, in some like urban community outside Chicago. Like, so it was like really cool Good stories. Good company, yeah. Right, right, like really amazing stories all in that Dream Crazier series. A lot of people might remember that, that hashtag that was going around big time, I think 2019, 2020. And so, um, yeah, so they flew out to Memphis uh, to kind of check it out. Uh, and meet some of the meet some of the girls who would eventually become characters and 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 uh, part of that story. And then we uh, it was it was a just a crazy series of calls and meetings and flights to get that all worked out. Um, but it ended up yeah becoming an amazing film and uh, tells a small slice of what is you know almost a decade long story now for for these young women. And you so. have to watch the documentary to know what happens because it is it's a good one um, it's a good one it, you know you're, you're kind of on the edge of your seat it's not a very long documentary um but you're on the edge of your seat there's there's a little bit of um you know in any good story a little grit a, yeah. little, a little bit of uh, uncertainty um a little bit of tough times and um just resiliency really yeah. showcasing the resiliency of, of those young women right. um serena jones was on that uh that team right um and I read a quote from her in another article. Uh, you know, you, you say that you got emotional, yeah. <laughs> you know, watching that documentary. Um, this quote, you know, I'm, shook me to my core in, in a way, right? She said, um, she's speaking about rugby, and she said that it's changed the way that she sees the world and that it's changed the way that she sees herself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, I... I think that that speaks to the amazing things that y'all are doing. Um, that it's not just a sport. It's, it's not, not just a sport. And well, I'm sure that there's more stories like that. Well, with that team specifically, and that's Serena Jones, her and her twin, identical twin yeah. sister, Selena Jones, were amazing players, you know, all Amer high school All-Americans. They, they are a huge part of why this team won so many state championships. And I think they all found this, like, identity through it because not only were they all, all of a sudden, like, awesome athletes, like, really winning at a, at a high level – um, but they made the sport cool in, in their school. Like, they'll tell you how ah. they got made fun of by, like, the boys and other girls and, like, people around as they, like, started to pioneer this team at their school. Like, they were really, you know, like, like almost anybody trying something new and trying to be different. Like, they were really, yeah. like, scrutinized and people didn't believe in them and they thought it was kind of a joke. And then the girls, like, just did the opposite of that and made it cool. And now, like, we, we set up a, a team meeting for girls to come try rugby at Freedom Prep Girls, like because of the tradition they laid down and like the legacy they left. 
like the room is filled like freedom prep girls today and more transcending the school westwood whitehaven girls like they've made a whole community of like fans and buy-in and now like girls come into that program and they just think it's normal they're like yeah i, I play for the rugby team here you know why wouldn't i they yeah. don't understand like how much that took out of these girls to pioneer it just a few years prior and now serena and selena are also coaches for our organization and so oh. they're coaching middle school girls and high school girls who also come into their programs and think it's normal that they're being coached by like an African-American female who's won a state championship and like from the community. And it's just like absolutely inspiring and dynamic to watch them do what they do uh, because their impact on our young girls is way greater than like what me or Devin or any of these like original coaches could have ever had back in 2012. Like they are amazing, amazing, amazing um, when they take that field and show their passion, you know, to, yeah. to their the, the team they're coaching. So it's amazing. Wow. I love it. And and in that same article, I, I think you said um, that you're just your success depends on the person next to you. Right. And and that really speaks to what you're just talking about, where um, if it weren't for those individuals, you know, leaving their legacy, pioneering, you know, the sport in their school and, and in Memphis, really, um, those young young ladies and, and young men generally would not have the chance to go on and be the amazing, uh, you know, amazing individuals that, that they've become. Um, you know, there's always a seed of greatness, but the the ones that are around you um, really help water you and grow you to who you are. And, and I think that that speaks volumes about MICR. Well, and we just try to tell our coaches, which 85% of our coaches are alums now, it's a hard job they have, you know, because sure. they're, they're really fighting against um, all of the obstacles our kids face in, in poverty, transportation, uh, hunger, um, you know, uh, homelessness in a lot of cases. Like, we, we serve in tough communities, and our organization, like, goes after the difficult stuff. Like, we don't try to just do what's easy and, like, serve the kids who can access. Like, we create access. We break down barriers. Like, we seek relationships and service in the, the places where it's most difficult, right? Like, the margins of our society, like, the, the margins of our city is where our coaches do their best work. We just try to remind them and, and keep them motivated and moving forward in, in what is a very long and difficult job. Like, the best way to get to where you're going is by helping somebody else get to where, try to get to where they're going. You know what I mean? So Teamwork think, makes the they, dream work. Yeah. I yeah, think, no, I mean, it's, carry that. it's so true. Um, you know, and here, here at New Memphis, we talk a lot about um, the power of connection and connecting those individuals. And, and you know, through MSER, you know, you're connecting others um, in the sport. But you actually are a graduate of one of our New Memphis programs, uh, the Embark program. Um, so whoop, whoop. I know, right? So, uh, you know, again, it, those programs at its core are also about connecting, right? Are also totally. about bringing out the best in others and about um, supporting the city of Memphis. So um, can you tell us how Embark in particular, that experience really better equipped you to lead a nonprofit so young generally but also just so young yeah i would say just the confidence and vision and network you know being part of something like that um helped me realize um that wow like in this city you can get a hold of anybody you need to you know so like if you're going to try to do something uh like start a nonprofit or start a business or help somebody or start an event or make, have an idea um you know, <laughs> wherever you're at in that process, this is a city that will embrace that idea and embrace you and your leadership and 
connect you to the person who can help you in a meaningful way. So being part of Embark, just meeting so many other young leaders and seeing all of the grassroots initiatives happening. You know, obviously we're, there's so many nonprofits in Memphis, it almost could seem intimidating, right. you know, being in that landscape. Um, when you talk about fundraising and, you know, marketing, all these different things that I guess help a nonprofit, you know, scale and grow, survive. Um, being part of that network, though, and, and getting support resources and, and meeting so many leaders like helped ground us in like, it's OK, like we're we're going to be able to, you know, make the connections we need and like keep this thing alive. And there's a safety net in Memphis almost that you understand when you're part of, you know, Embark in New Memphis. I love it. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what athletes learn when um, participating in sports, but through MICR specifically that will um, serve them later in life. So again, not just about the sport, but kind of those character building skills and the life skills that they can take from the field into just being, you know, an adult and adulting and all the things that that entails. For sure. So we're kind of growing in this space too, but traditionally our coaches are, are trained in value-based coaching, you know, which is, it's nothing groundbreaking. It just means that when you're teaching these kids sport, especially one that's so strange where you got to learn all these rules, you never, if you grew up in Memphis, you're not watching rugby on TV, right. you know, unless you ha happen to stumble across some championship that got on air from your, like, you know, yeah. Europe, like in the middle of the night from Europe on European time. Right. But you hand a kid a basketball in Memphis, they've, they've seen the game, they know the rules, at least on a surface level, right? Yeah. It's not like that. And so we have an opportunity to inject value-based coaching. You know, if I'm, if I'm coaching this game, this drill, this activity, this skill, surely I can prepare to embed some kind of life skill or, or theme for that practice. And for example, all of our coaches, they're required to start every practice with a, a quote, a short story or a theme or like a word mm. of the day to set the tone. Like today we're going to be focused on leadership. So leadership on a big scale or small scale you can help one kid who dropped the ball dropped the pass encourage them for the next rep that they're going to catch it and that it's okay or big scale leadership you're going to talk to the team after practice about how we did and let's look in the mirror and self-evaluate that. so that, that's like a theme we can put in play in value-based coaching and now um, as we sort of execute our new three-year strategic plan at MICR and cross that bridge of 10 years of service um, we're working uh, directly with the Center for Healing and Justice through sport and one of the experts in trauma-informed coaching in the entire country is Meg Bartlett, who used to work with the Grizzlies, actually, but now uh, she's the, the founder and director of the Center for Healing and Justice Through Sport, which is where we're developing a new curriculum that's going to be put into place next school year and a little bit this spring on how we can actually optimize. We, we know through research that sport can mitigate the effects of childhood trauma and wow. adverse childhood experiences. Just being out with a team, with a supportive environment, sweating and winning and losing and being physical uh, has this neurological effect on the brain that can help mitigate the effects of childhood trauma. And we know that so many of our kids are uh, do have childhood adverse experiences and carry trauma with them into adulthood, into college that interferes with their uh, potential and opportunities in life. And um, so, not only having that alumni support programming in place to help them get through some of those challenges, but having mental health support and counseling available to them, um, you know, because surely we're not going to fix all trauma through sport, but now we're going to do so really, really intentionally in partnership with the Center for Healing and Justice. And so um, we're very excited to be kind of on the cutting edge of like what we now know, what we knew back then in 2012, we knew how the sport and how this programming and our great mentors and coaches communicating this way could just help kids it could rewire brains and it could help kids feel free and empowered and get healthier in in physical and mental ways but now we know that's backed by research right and we're going to try to apply the best of that research to make sure that 
we're doing the best work we can. If we have kids in a park at practice for two hours, they have other problems, other challenges, other obligations in life. If they're going to give us two hours of their time, we're going to make the most of that to send, send them home a better, not just player, but person and, you know, um, leader in all the things we can instill in them. That's incredible. You know, I, I think it's so important um, to inherently what you're saying is um, you know that you are one piece of the puzzle, but you know that that one piece of the puzzle uh, needs the support and, you know, needs, needs the focus and needs every piece of you in that to really make that puzzle stand. Right. Rugby's not good enough, right? We have to surround it with these resources and the strategy and you know, if kids are going to give us their all and try something new and show up, which is a, a battle for them, right? Just to show yeah. up. Like it takes, it takes determination, focus. It takes overcoming challenges just to show up on time and be part of this team. So we, we got to give them the best. And them knowing that, right? Yeah. Them knowing that, that they are winning when they, when they do show up. And something. that we see that. The coaches exactly. see that. They exactly. Yep. I feel like that uh, leads me back to one of the other things I watched was the power of rugby Mm. and that was really again I was in an emotional state when I watched all these but like to see the kids and be like again to your point never heard of the sport didn't know the rules and to have to you know bring a lot to the table just to show up like you said and that includes academics like being able to be able to be qualified to play and having to like have some more motivation in the classroom because they want to be out on that field yeah and so all of that together is like a perfect storm of greatness. <laughs> oh, and, and I tell our, a lot of our alumni coaches now that I feel bad. Like we were unfair to them a little bit. So back, let's let's dial it back to like 2017, right? So at this point, we're five years old. Like there's girls rugby already. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. some real things happening, but we still have no full-time employees and like not sure. a lot of resources. So, but I'm at this point, I'm still coaching. I'm teaching full-time at Power Center Academy and I'm coaching that team. Wow. And at, th- at that point I had a lot of seniors who had been with me for several years. So they knew the game enough and they, they were starting to become real, real like high IQ rugby players and some, and they had some leadership ability. And so it'd be after school, I'd be like taking all these phone calls, helping organize other practices. Like a donor would call me with like $10 to donate. I'd be like, yeah, like I'll take it. I'll take that call. Like, because we were just trying to survive and scale and be in in this inflection point. And part of what gave life to so many of our great alumni coaches from that team was that like, I had to tell them so many times, like, guys, I am so sorry. Like here are the balls. Here are the cones, like Sam, Calvin, Donovan, like you take the backs, you take the forwards guys. Like, you know what to do. And they like they would coach their own practice while I'm over here trying to like run MICR (laughs) and monitor them from the side of the road. And it was like extremely unfair to them because they were children still. They were still kids. They deserved to be coached. They deserved to be mentored. But they kind of had to take that responsibility on prematurely, Hmm. which, again, I feel bad for them because of what it meant for their experience in high school rugby. But a lot of them became our best alumni coaches because they got a head start at like what it meant to lead a team. Yeah. And so just an interesting like byproduct of an inflection point, a lack of bandwidth (laughs) uh, and students having this special ability to fill a gap. And then they're still doing it now as real coaches later on. Um, One thing I'm noticing throughout this entire conversation is how do you take care of yourself in in all of this? Like, do you sleep? Do you, do you eat? Do you, do you, are you able to have a thought that does not include Memphis Inner City Rugby? Or is that just so far down the line from now? You're like, maybe by our 20th anniversary. I mean, sore subject. If there's anybody like of my loved ones or like uh, uh, close stakeholders listening, because, you know, everybody knows that, um, 
uh, like, yeah, it's not healthy or sustainable to like lead this organization at this point um, because there's just so much scale going on and, and it's just really, really hard work to do yeah. and hard work to manage. Um, with how, especially with how ambitious we've become as an organization, we think we can do so much now that we have like three full-time employees and all these strong school partnerships and all these alumni coaches and documentaries and buy-in and you know this is really an exciting time. Um, but the lack of sustainability, sleep, and bandwidth is limited. Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we are right now hiring two full-time uh, programming positions for the first wow. time ever. We're going to hire a full-time coach. Um, to start with us in August 2023, it's currently, you can apply now, uh, and a program manager. There are two separate jobs on our website, so you can apply, you know, it's salary, it's benefits, it's full-time capacity to come work with the best kids in the world. And when that happens, uh, we'll be exactly, when those positions come on and start in August, we'll be exactly 10 years old, and I will have uh, a much more sustainable personal job responsibility, because right now there's no, there's no help between programs teams schools and like myself and i'm also responsible for like the whole organization and fundraising and managing the staff and um there's just not a lot of time or capacity but now we'll have like these program leaders to help take on some of that work and uh, so that's this fall in august yep that's we're hiring right now we're okay. inter interviewing people throughout march and april and then the candidates who get the jobs will start uh, full-time in august that's exciting that yeah. is exciting and that that really opens the doors for you so it also opens the doors for the question of um you know if people are interested in supporting uh financially with their time with you know whatever it is how do they do that where do they go what do you need how, what can help well, thanks for asking. We need a lot. But, um, <laughs> As he pulls out his phone. I'm pulling like, out my phone to look at a date. Yeah, no. I was about to say to get the list of like all the things you need. <laughs> it's like, I need 30 minutes. No. no, I mean, just very transparently, like because we've strategized and because we're like, you know, nine years into this, we like we, we have equipment. Like we know we have we have like the things we need, like sure. on the ground currently to operate. Which back in the day you um, didn't know, you know, you didn't have or you didn't know right. what I, was coming so back. Yeah. One big was, check mark. Exactly. So if I was on the show, you know, uh, eight years ago, I'd be like, send us cleats, you know, <laughs> but like we've got that now. We've, we've got that stuff figured out. Right. So uh, three things we need help with. One's the easiest. So it's just like, please donate, like become a monthly donor, like get on our newsletter list and stay tuned and like be part of the MICR family. Um, you know, we, we need that support and that ability to, you know, budget into the future with um, a community of stakeholders. There's no donation too small. Um, you know, at MICR, we boast proudly about like how efficient we are with philanthropic dollars where we've been studied and, and evaluated by Slingshot Memphis since yes, 2017. Yes, we love Slingshot. Yeah, big kudos to Slingshot. Uh, we love Slingshot and um, our recent assessment just came out. That's also on our website and it shows how uh, we do make the most of philanthropic dollars and at MICR there's not a ton of overhead like it goes right to the kids it goes right to the people you know we don't have any marketing professional we don't have anybody um, planning our travel for us or doing it like we we do all the work and we make the most of the investments so please donate uh, monthly donors are, are super important to us and then Monday May 23rd this isn't even been marketed yet it will be starting this week We'll have our first ever golf tournament uh, at Miramichi Golf Course so awesome. on Sunday, March 23rd. Anybody golfs or know anyone who golfs, it's our first time we'll do a fundraiser uh, on a golf course. And, so this um, is May 23rd? May 23rd, okay. yep. Um, and that's going to be really fun. We have some celebrities coming in. They're, right. they're uh, going to you know make it special, so we'll start marketing that uh, this week. And then You heard it here first. Exactly. <laughs> and then in October uh, 2022, so October of this year, 
on some Thursday in October. <laughs> okay. We don't know which Thursday, but okay. some Thursday in October uh-huh. is going to be the biggest thing we've ever done, which is the uh, 10-year anniversary celebration for MICR, which will awesome. be like a gala you know, celebration, and uh, we're just picking a venue and a date. And then we're going to start promoting the heck out of that, too. But we're looking for sponsors and people who want to be like part of that event, whether they're buying a table or being a sponsor. Like that's a big way to help, too. And um, you won't want to miss that. So uh, nothing is advertised for that yet either. But OK, hey, so I love follow, it. follow us on social. Yeah. And, we'll and, yeah. and uh, sign up for their newsletter, too, again, yep. to be a part of their family to yep. see how that works out and what we love to say here at new memphis is no donation is too small but no donation is too big either <laughs> I like that. so I like that. yeah so let's not let's not get chintzy with that <laughs> um so we just talked about what's on the horizon for you so now we have a fan favorite our lightning round <laughs> so are you ready? Uh, um, ready this is actually aaron's favorite thing that we do aaron is one of the uh, very avid um Shout podcast listeners Mundo. and she loves the lightning round so this is for you aaron so just say the first thing that pops into your mind just don't just don't think no about pressure it. no Bananas. pressure oh. <laughs> okay uh best bite in memphis Bananas. No, I'm just kidding. Payne's Barbecue. Okay. Okay. And what's your order? Uh, The chopped pork sandwich. Okay. Um, Favorite professional rugby team? Oh, wow. USA. Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, Is it better to play in the blistering, humid heat or the freezing rain? Because we have both. It's probably in March, too. Wow. I'd love to hear what what our kids say because they've been in crazy weather, but I know this is rapid. Uh, I would say blistering heat because I'm from Florida. Okay. Okay. Ooh, best advice you've ever given or received? Uh, best advice I've ever, I don't know, man, uh, given, um, received maybe easier, be, be, be nice to yourself, um, given and, uh, work hard at being happy, um, received. Ooh. Okay. Um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. (laughs) I'd be flying around (laughs) like without a plane. I'd just be flying around. All right. Um, one word, one word to describe Memphis. Soul. All right. I like it. I like it. Okay. That is, you have now completed. You can now, you know, you're, you have you're, successfully completed. Yes. you you can, your blood pressure can drop back again. <laughs> no. See that y'all have seat warmers here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you already mentioned ways that our listeners can get involved, but where can they follow along? You mentioned your Instagram a couple of times. Do you happen yeah, to Yeah. Just um, anywhere on social media. So Facebook, it's just Memphis Inner City Rugby. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at MIC Rugby. Um, we have a YouTube channel where all of our games go up and kids are watching their own game footage that's just memphis inner city youtube memphis inner city rugby youtube channel um and this this radio show follow this radio show hey oh yay thank you all righty well thank you so much for stopping by and letting our community know a little bit more about all of the great work that y'all are doing over at memphis inner city rugby yeah thank y'all so much for having us really appreciate it absolutely can't wait to see what y'all do awesome Again, I know we say it every time, but that was a really, really good interview. Yeah, I mean, you know, we internally, right, we talk a lot about how there's so many amazing things happening here in the city. Um, And this is an example of that, right, where we know we know that there's a need and we know that there's people going out there and doing it. But um, to do it in this way and to really... um, just really take uh, and grow 
what what he see what he saw he and Devin saw is something um, that was working and and kind of to take that leap I think is so amazing and incredible and um, so yeah dream crazier Memphians that is that is our um, I feel like that like we're grit and grind but that also kind of speaks speaks to Memphis too I love that oh yeah absolutely so um, we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we did uh, so a little bit of housekeeping as AME likes to say. Before we close out today's episode, um, we have a really exciting event happening in two days on Thursday. Yes, Memphis 101. It's amazing. It is perfect for newcomers and locals alike. Uh, It will be on March 10th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Memphis Museum of Science and History, a.k.a. MOSH, formerly known as the Pink Palace. Um, And the event is generously sponsored by our wonderful partners over at Regional One Health. Oh, we love them. They're great. And uh, they've been sponsoring this particular event for for a good while and for good reason, because it is a very exciting high high energy event that talks about the future of Memphis by taking a look at where we've been so that we can see where we're going. Uh, So we would invite you to this free event uh, on Thursday evening at the Memphis Museum of Science and History. And it's a really, really exciting event. Come bring your friends, bring your family, bring your colleagues. Um, You won't be disappointed. I can promise you that. It is one of my favorite events that we do here in Memphis. And then later on this month, we have our first Celebrate What's Right of the season. And it is- What the tech. Yes. I love it. I know. It's such a clever little title. Um, It will be on March 29th at the Hilton Memphis. And this is one of my favorite descriptions of an event that we've had in a while because it's so far outside of my scope of knowledge, but I think it's so needed because I, I would venture to say it's outside of a lot of other people's scope of knowledge. And So you'll learn a lot is what you're saying. Yes, I think that it's, but I think it's interesting too. So Celebrate What's Right, What the Tech um, is talking about fiber in the Mid-South and it is not meaning your morning bowl of cereal. Uh, The truth is that fiber is at the core of progress in the current high-tech age, and that digital equity requires access access, and fiber is the key to that access. So we will have a panel discussion that will address our city's current broadband infrastructure, the innovations that are currently taking place and how exciting those are, and then how those innovations impact our community. So join us um, to see how Memphis is getting smart when it comes to bridging the digital divide and meeting the demands of today's digital age, which we all know are ever increasing and more complex by the hour. There's a, there's an amazing panel for this conversation. And, you know, to me, the, the pandemic really opened, um, opened my eyes even wider to the need for for this right and and the gap that was there you know I knew that there was a gap but um, actually seeing it on the map um gosh when was that back in May of 2020 uh you know it it shook me to my core and and kind of took me down and and I'm excited uh, to say that that Memphis is really um taking a deep look at this and and there's some amazing incredible uh, you know, innovative people behind it. Um, Doug McGowan, chief operating officer at the city of Memphis, a uh, longtime friend um, of, of New Memphis. Uh, Lisa Moore, she's the president and CEO at Girls Inc. Andre Folks, president at Startco. Uh, Stephen Willoughby, 
the the ED over at uh, Citizens Fiber Initiative Group, and then Paul Young. Again, he's been on this podcast. You'll have heard it from him. Uh, we talked to him most recently as well, um, president and CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission. Uh, will be our moderator for that panel. Um, it's going to be it's going to be great. I, I really am excited. I about think this. there's going to be some big like truth and knowledge bombs dropped. Oh, yeah. I'm like really excited about everything that they are going to be able to share with the community about what is already going so well. And then the areas that, yeah, the opportunities that we have. Um, and so not only have you heard from Paul Young, you have also heard from Lisa Moore on yeah. this podcast, if you're an avid podcast listener. So yeah. I would encourage you to go back and listen to their episodes um, in anticipation of our March 29th event. So uh, be there or be square. You can purchase your ticket and find out more information at newmemphis.org backslash events and as always it is recruitment season for us here at new memphis that um, never really stops which is a blessing because we are always casting our net out to get amazing leaders in various stages of your professional career to um, kind of level up at any of our leadership development programs from launch for collisions all the way up through leadership development intensive for c-suite executives which is also celebrating its 25th year anniversary this year in 2022 that's incredible that's so. a that's a long-standing um that's a long-standing program and it's 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 a great one at that but you know shane um shane is an embark grad uh that we that we talked to earlier on this program and you know he mentioned um we were talking about the connectivity and and how you know you see others in a room that you would have never met before you would have never had access to you would have never um seen and and it really opened his eyes um our programs are an opportunity for that and specifically um we're looking to um open open our our arms for our fellows program of, and, of which Paul Young is also of which Paul Young is also a grad yeah, yeah. so um there's a really cool project in our fellows program called cat projects community action projects um that you know are opportunities for you to get your hands dirty roll up your sleeves get your hands dirty really um dive into some local nonprofits and and really expand um your knowledge and and your your power uh, into the city and um, we'd love to have you join us for our fellows program and, and see what it's all about and, and connect with others in the city doing amazing things um, that that will eventually lead the city into greatness. So you can find out more about our leadership programs again at newmemphis.org and it is that time of the episode where uh, we remind you listeners that New Memphis is a local nonprofit and we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear every week on Meanwhile in Memphis, um, if you've participated in our leadership programs or attend our community engagement events, they're all made possible by your generosity. So to give to New Memphis, head over to our Instagram page and utilize that handy dandy donate button. And while you're there, you can give us a follow too. And uh, again, if you donate and you specify that you are donating because you heard about us from our radio show and podcast, we will be sure to give you a shout out on this here show. Oh. And we are counting our pennies for that applause button, ladies and gents. <laughs> so I think, I think it's time. I think that uh, you can also specify that you would like us to get an applause button if you donate through that way. <laughs> and we can make your dreams a reality. So your and dreams come true. Until next Tuesday, everybody, um, have a happy International Women's Day. And I hope you have a great rest of your day and the rest of your week. See you soon. See you on Thursday at Memphis 101.
Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.